TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in to Hoist the Colors on this Wednesday edition of the show, 94.3 The Game. We are live on YouTube, live on Facebook with our usual Wednesday guest, Bobby Harward. Philip Pilkington is in studio behind the glass. We just got done talking with Mike Houston, several assistant coaches. We're going to have a six-minute interview with Damon Magazoo. New safeties coach, longtime pirate. We'll play that at some point in today's show. And we'll kind of play a lot of this audio. We got the chance to talk to several coaches. I'll get Phillips' take and we'll share some of that, some of those thoughts throughout the show as well, as well as we got the chance to meet many of the new offensive staff members. But Bobby, how's it going on this Wednesday? Two days out from ECU baseball. Two days out from ECU baseball. It's Valentine's Day, so That's I right. better say happy Valentine's Day to my wife, Brittany. It's also report day for pitchers and catchers, um, which is why I am supporting the Orioles today in studio. Um, I know we were talking about the wire last week, so I wore my Felix Batista Omar whistle that t-shirt. So, um, yeah, excited a lot. Baseball's right around the corner. Weather should be getting warmer. Just a, a great time of the year. So, are you allowed to reveal what you're going to do for your wife for Valentine's Day, or is she? Yes, yes. Right. Have uh, you already done it? Or? Yeah. Okay. She. So I think I had told you before. She had thankfully told me she was getting me presents. Normally we don't really do That's presents. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I got her. So she has her own photography business. I'll do a shameless plug for the authentic years and, uh, you can follow her on Instagram, but she, um, is trying to kind of expand her business a little bit. So there's some videos from other professionals that, um, I purchased for her to be okay. able to kind of follow and, and, and start expanding her, uh, photography business a little bit. Very sweet of you, Bobby. You. Very thoughtful of you. I can't take all the credit <laughs> because she sent me a text message and said, this is what I want. <laughs> and I clicked the link and, and, okay. and so it wasn't, um, but at least you followed through and got it. Yeah. Forget yep, about yep, it. Yep, like yep, sometimes yep. I do. Yeah. So what are the chances the Harvard's making an appearance at Clark or Claire stadium this weekend? You know, if we can figure out a way to get tickets for free, we, we would try to go. I would love to take the kids and let them run around in the jungle. I just don't know. Like I, I, I looked a few weeks ago, I guess the single tickets game tickets hadn't came on sale yet. And now they are. So I haven't checked to look at the price. Uh, if, I believe softball's at home, right? Because uh, they yes. have that pirate invitational or classic mm-hmm. or how it, whatever they phrase it. I do. We do a lot of softball games because they're free. Um, baseball, I'd love to take them too, but only can do so much with the budget. So if you have extra tickets, donate them to Bobby Howard. Is what he's saying. Yeah, saying it. <laughs> yes, you can. You can reach out to me if you're a Hoist the Colors member, or you can uh, shoot me a message on social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter or X. By the way, shout out to softball, by the way. Awesome. Uh, I just said by the way twice. Uh, but awesome win last night. Anna Sawyer, D.H. Conley product. I actually watched the game. Uh, we were playing. We were ironically hitting baseball in the backyard. Came in, saw they were down 4-1. to one. So my son and I watched the end of the game. 
They walked it off, three-run double, two outs, kind of your dream walk-off scenario. They are 7-0, and Bobby. So if you That's, do go to softball, you're going to be supporting a winner. Oh, yeah, for sure. They Great start to the year. Uh, fun fact, I taught Anna Sawyer at DH okay. High School. So I had her in my Microsoft Excel class her freshman year. I never forget this because we played two truths and a lie as like an icebreaker. And one of her three things she listed was, I'm committed to Duke to play softball. <laughs> so I said, all right, what grade are you? She said, freshman. I said, all right, that's your lie, because no way a freshman is committed to Duke. And sure enough, she was. Um, obviously, she's since signed with ECU right. and is here. But uh, always enjoy following her. Uh, same with Dixon Williams, another uh guy i had in class at dh conley as well uh he was quite the character enjoyed having him as well but uh like to see the the locals uh choosing ecu and performing well at ecu and look if you would not have taught them the things in that class and and allow them to pass they would not be at ecu today so you can take almost full credit for their arrival i'll take some of their credit for their ncaa clearinghouse and 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 getting the credits needed all right, Philip, you were at the event earlier today uh, with myself, several other media members. Mike Houston, what are we talking about? Ten minutes, just kind of a little bit of everything. Now, it was kind of funny. Funny is not the right word, but I walked in about ten minutes after reading the tweet that Tim Dallas had taken a job at Pittsburgh, ECU special teams coordinator, defensive ends coach, and there was his nameplate sitting on a, a table. And I was like, yeah, I don't think he's showing up, um, which he did not, of course. But we'll talk about that news in a minute. Uh, but, but, Phil, what did you think of the event, getting to know some of the new coaches, talking a little post-signing day? Any uh, big takeaways from you? Well, first off, uh, shout out to softball and uh, darn you, Scooter and Parker, because both of y'all left when the Pirates were down one nothing. I stayed till the end and saw Anna Sawyer walk it off. So just want to put that out there that I stayed till well the end. Well done. I know it got cold. Um, no, big thing that I took away is, you know, last year wasn't the best year. We know that. But no matter what coach I talked to, no matter what side of the football they were on, they talked about the returning players. And when you talk about returners, guys who played a lot last year, I think that's good for team chemistry. Because, look, there are a lot of new faces transfers, freshmen, and this is a team that, despite struggling, had a lot of good team chemistry last year, but you have to build on that to be successful, and I think they will, and it seems that every position coach had faith in the guys that started last year to step in and continue to build off where they were a year ago. And no, co- I mean, not that they weren't talking about the transfers, not that they weren't talking about the freshmen. They were excited to get them on campus, but that wasn't the focal point of this. It was all about building off what has already been done. I think it's proved that the foundation that was laid here by Mike Houston, those two teams that went to those two bowl games, was not broken last year. We're not starting from square one again, and I think that's very important moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because Coach Eugene did mention in his press conference a lot about the returners, the need to gel everybody together. There's just a lot that has to be done in a short amount of time if they want to win football games because you look at it now with Coach Dallas leaving, that's six new coaches 
uh, from the on-field perspective, four on offense, two on defense, once Dallas's replacement coming in. Damon Magazoo, of course, we'll have an interview with him later in this program. Uh, six new on-field coaches. I think something like 35, 40 new players, counting walk-ons, transfers. So there is a lot to get done, Bobby. And I asked Coach Houston about like meshing it all together. How does that even happen? And they really don't know until you get on the field. So how, how I mean, this has got to be the most vital spring this program's had in, in years. Well, it's the most vital spring of Mike Houston's career, that's yeah. for sure. The, the interesting thing, like bringing in 35 to 40 guys, like, you know, which a I lot want, of programs are probably doing. Right. But. Yeah, that's what I was gonna gonna say is like that's probably the new norm right now in college athletics, which is sad and it makes it so difficult to build and sustain cultures. And I do I do wonder if you know obviously normally like Mike Houston comes in, we went to two bowl games and you just continue to see the trajectory rise and, and the program continue to rise. I wonder now if we will start seeing more of the kind of up and down seasons just because, you know, year in and year out, you really don't know who you're losing, who you're gaining. Um, so I think it's going to be also critical. And I think John Gilbert did a good job of just evaluating. All right. Is there a mess in the locker room? Are we having players get in trouble in, in, in downtown at bars and stuff like that? Are they getting arrested? Okay. No issue, locker room issues. No issues with the law. All right. Culture seems to be pretty solid. Let's just chalk it up to a bad year scheme wise. Obviously they did what they needed to in the offseason to get that fixed, but, uh, I'm excited for this new offensive staff from a staff standpoint. It does take a while to mesh. I don't know if they still do this. We used to have, I think it was post spring ball. We would have a coach's retreat, and it was kind of a weekend. Uh, we got to get away at, at a beach house and, and just really have a lot of fun and connect as coaches. And I wonder if they do something similar to that still, and that's an, an opportunity for those offensive and defensive coaches to mesh. Thankfully, Coach Dallas didn't leave right during spring ball like last year. <laughs> but it, it is still unfortunate mm. because it's later in that process. And so uh, Mike Houston may not have the pick of his litter of the litter there uh, in terms of a D-line coach. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see it all pieced together. There's a lot of unanswered questions, which I think makes spring ball so intriguing and exciting this season. All right, we asked Coach Houston, uh, a media member did, about Tim Douse leaving, and more so a big picture, like, is this just the new norm in college athletics with a lot of coaches leaving for the NFL, which creates a domino effect. I'm not sure where the Pittsburgh defensive line coach went, but either way, you see that a lot this time of year. So Tim Douse leaving for Pittsburgh. He's, he was the ECU special teams coordinator, defensive ends coach the past three years. Here's Coach Houston addressing that earlier today. Well, I think you've always got to be prepared for things like this to happen. I think anytime you have success uh, in certain areas, then, you know, you've got the potential for this to happen. Uh, you know, you can never predict it. Uh, the one thing I will say, and I said it last year, you know, I'll say it to our staff this afternoon, you know, the way Chris Foster and Tim Dows, the way they handled everything, uh, you know, on, on, on their end, uh, consummate professionalism. And so, uh, you know, you're, it helps you be prepared for this a little bit better. Uh, it doesn't just come out of the blue. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Blake and I have uh, been talking for the last you know, week or so. Uh, and, uh, you know, so when Tim told me this morning that he was uh, accepting the job, uh, you know, it doesn't just blindside you. And I appreciate the job that he did. He's a, he's a good friend in addition to being a quality coach. And uh, wish him all the best of luck at Pitt. 
but uh, you know, thanks to that popping out five minutes later this morning, uh, my phone's blown up all morning. So uh, we'll have a quality candidate. Uh, we've already had several uh, uh, people that I know that are, are quality coaches reach out to us. Uh, I'm meeting with the kids here uh, in a little while just to talk to them. Uh, my number one priority is we get somebody that's going to do an outstanding job with our players. Uh, you know, our players in this program are my number one priority, and I want men that are just like Tim, uh, just like you know our current coaches that you're getting ready to talk to. I want men of character that are going to care about our players. They're going to develop our players. They're going to push our players, uh, but they're going to be more than just an on-the-field coach for them. And uh, you know that's the kind of individual we're looking for. All right, there's Mike Houston. We'll have the <clears throat> complete press conference up. It may already be up on 94 Through the Game YouTube page. I know you guys have several interviews up, so check that out after this show or whenever uh, for the assistant interviews. 94 Through the Game YouTube page. We'll have some up on Hoist the Colors YouTube as well. We'll play some of these interviews throughout the week. So Tim Douse has done a really good job the last three years at you know overseeing special teams. And a lot of people... See special teams coordinator Bobby, and they think, all right, this he's running the entire special teams, and he does oversee it. But when I'm out of practice, every coach kind of has their own little station, so to speak, or own area of special teams. And I think they more so do it that way under Coach Houston. And I don't think the special teams coordinator thing is as big of a loss. They might they may try to bring in somebody with that experience, but I think it's more you lose a guy who has recruited. Now, three years in that defensive end room, recruited a lot of these specialists, you know, specifically the, the snappers, all that sort of stuff. So the relationship, Coach used to mention it, he wants somebody who can come in and do a good job with the players. That's going to be real key to, to replace here. For sure. Yeah, the special teams aspect of it, uh, it does sound like Houston does it a little bit differently in the sense, uh, I'll go give an example. Under Ruff, you know, Coach Kirk Dahl was a special teams coordinator. Every position coach outside of the, the quarterback coach had a position on each team that they coached. They didn't coach the whole scheme or anything like that, but they had a position within each team. Whereas with uh, Mike Houston, it seems like you know Coach Dowse oversees everything and may be in charge of two of the teams, whether that's punt return and kick return or whatever, and then some of the other assistants mm-hmm. fill in and, and are in charge of the other teams. I do know Trip Weaver was heavily involved in one of those, so really you're, you're kind of losing two. Um, but, you know, one thing we were talking about a little bit in terms of the flexibility of what they can bring in on the staff is Roy Tesh has done a lot of special teams work before. Um, he's coached. He's coaching D tackles. I'm sure he can coach DNs. He's kind of coached it all in his career. So it gives Mike Houston a little bit of flexibility, being able to move Tesh around uh, and being able to really get the right culture fit. To your point, like Sam Donka, i make sure I'm pronouncing it because I know I can screw that up, is like a young pass rusher that really grew a lot towards the end of the year. And obviously he has a relationship with Coach Dows. Um, you have some other uh, pass rushers. Thankfully, Powers and Jeremy Lewis are moving on, but still a lot of those young guys probably came here recruited by Coach Dow. So just finding a guy that meshes well with them and, and he can connect with is really going to be the key because unless those players know that you care, they're they're going to tune you out. How much concern – I don't know if concern is the right word. Um, because, look, there needed to be change. So, like, there's six new coaches – Four of those on offense, which you know, I think we all agree kind of need to happen. Like, are you concerned about the the turnover on the coaching staff, or is it, is it is that too just part of the business now? 
Both. It, it's yeah. part of the business, unfortunately. Normally, though, you know, when you have a down year like we had past year, this past season, you do see a complete overhaul on one side of the ball, which we saw. The thing I liked is uh, JDB was able to bring in guys that he trusted and work with. So I think in terms of just offensively as a unit looking at them, I feel pretty good about it because I feel like they're all going to be on the same page. They're still going to have a phase like – Spring is going to be that much more important. You're may- maybe not able to focus as much on recruiting because you're trying to narrow down scheme, practice plans, how you want to coach everything going into spring ball. The defensive side of the ball, um, you know, they've lost two guys now. So that, thankfully, they have, you know, a few guys there that are consistent. Tess, Tess has been there forever. Right. So him and Blake. You got Jules, but I think losing Trip and, and Dallas, two D coordinator guys in their past and obviously trip being a d coordinator now like you do lose a lot there absolutely yeah and and so you got to bring two new guys in you got to teach them you know what you're wanting from a defensive perspective and then they have to then be able to teach and and uh, present it to the kids in a way that they can understand and, and uh, retain it so yeah just a little bit of concern from a continuity aspect there always is but that's where the the interview process is so critical and I'll say this, every hire Houston has made to this point has, has hit. So obviously what, whatever questions he's getting down to or approach he takes with making sure he gets the right guy, uh, so far he has shown, in my opinion, that, he, you know, he, he's hiring the right people that fit the culture that he wants. He has a clear vision and he's, he's searching for that. And honestly, he doesn't wrap up that search process until he gets the guy that, that really fits, whether he's a big name or not is not much of a concern to him. And in all honesty, too, football is football. Whether it's D three, D one, NFL, high school, football is football. So, all right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We will talk to one of those new hires on the other side. Damon Magazoo, ECU safety, former ECU safety, is back as the safety's coach. We'll talk with him. We'll have more with Bobby. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? Welcome back in Hoist the Colors on this Wednesday, two days out from first pitch. We'll talk some baseball in a little bit. We've got our round table coming up on Thursday's show. It'll be Scott Rogers, myself, Jonathan Wagner, Scott Lorbatcher from the Hoist the Colors podcast. Previewing ECU baseball, making preseason picks. Looking forward to that. And then Friday, we'll kind of have a pregame show of sorts with Joe Sampson and more. All right, Bobby Howard is in studio today. He is brought to you by Sup Dogs. You guys know the deal. Check them out downtown Greenville. Big news today. The Team Boneyard Crush Vodka coming from the new Sup Dogs distillery downtown has been released or will be exclusively released this Friday, February 16th at 10 a.m. only at the new ABC store, 1400 Charles Boulevard in Greenville. Bottles will later be available throughout ABC stores in Pitt County and at the Crush Vodka Distillery downtown. So this is a sweet bottle, uh, Bobby, as we look at it here. Purple label, Sup Crush Vodka, got a skull in the front. The best thing about it, 100% of the profits from the bottle will go to suspend support NIL opportunities for ECU student-athletes. So 100% of that money spent buying this vodka will go to Team Boneyard NIL, which is, I think, I think this is going to be a massive hit. Dude, that's, it, it's just so impressive. 
You're getting so choked up. I know. I'm I'm so excited because (laughs) that ABC store is right down the street from my house. So um, Bobby already has an appointment. 10 a.m. Friday. 10 a.m. Friday. I'm going to block off my work calendar. (laughs) I'm going to head to the ABC store. But no, in all seriousness, A, let alone the the amount of things that Sup Dogs has done for Team Boneyard and just all their contributions and to ECU athletics to then do something like this. It's, it's freaking awesome. And then, you know, I was really excited to have pirate brews last year. And then now to have vodka, uh, ECU special vodka, like, you know, that that's pretty awesome. Bobby is just so emotional about it. He, he just can't, he just can't, uh, he can't handle it. Well, all right, we may uh, we may get emotional too with this interview. We're going to play the Damon Magazine interview now from today's uh, media event. It's about six minutes long. Uh, I tell you what, I shared a nice embrace with Mags. You know, a little dap up shoulder shoulder hug. It just felt good, man. It's good to have a pirate back. Uh, here's our conversation with Damon Magazoo, new safeties coach at ECU. I right, here with Damon Magazoo, and Damon, how does it feel to, to be back in Greenville, man? Feels good. Feels good to be back home. And uh, when I landed, uh, you know, back in the Carolinas, I never thought I'd miss that red clay so much. Um, but it feels good to be back home with Pirate Nation, and uh, been loving getting to know the staff and getting to know these uh, kids, and just excited to continue to work and, and develop. Take us through the process of kind of when you found out ECU was interested, how quickly did it go, and, and leaving UNLV and everything, coming back here. Um, you know, I, I think the process um, seemed very organic just in conversations with Coach Houston, uh, and it was really getting to know each other before even really getting to the football piece of it. Um, I think that piece is is most important not only for Coach Houston to feel comfortable about me as a person, but um, you know for me to be able to get to know Coach Houston, uh, which I've I've watched from afar, um, you know, in his times at the Citadel and JMU, and obviously being here at East Carolina. So there was some familiarity that I had with him. Not sure if he had any with me, but it was it was good to get to know each other on a personal level, and then work to the the football piece and philosophy piece um, throughout the process so getting to know coach Harold did you have any familiarity with him and then your early thoughts and kind of his scheme and, and learning that a little bit yeah again I've had some familiarity just from watching ECU from afar um, and I've always been impressed with what he's done uh, him and his staff and the players what they've done defensively uh, so it's been fun to learn uh, this past you know month and a half and um, I'm just trying to, to learn as much as possible from him and the other defensive coaches and even some of the players. Um, you know, the guys that have been here in the safety room, um, got no, no, no issues asking them, like, hey, what, what are we calling here? You know, so um, I'm excited to continue to dive into the details of the scheme. But, um, you know, it's an effort-based defense, and, and the, the guys run around and they play their tails off. And that's, that's what East Carolina is all about in general, not just defensively, but offensively offensively, special teams-wise, and play with passion and effort. Um, How much did, you know, did Trip Weaver also, because obviously he was on rough staff as you, as you were a player, you know, that familiarity maybe helped during the process too. You could probably reach out to him a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, kind of once this thing came about um, and I was blessed by Coach Houston and, and was able to get, you know, my family out here. Um, me and Trip have always stayed in contact uh, at all of our different stops, and again, which is why I have familiarity with you know Coach Harrell and Coach Houston, um, just 
keeping up with Tripp's career and how he's been doing. Um, but that, that that piece has been comforting to know that if I have a question, um, I can give him a call, and I know that you know he'll, he'll uh, answer or get back to me. I know he's busy also trying to trying to get his thing rolling. So um, the, it, it's been a, a beautiful and awesome transition getting back home. How much has the stadium or just East Carolina Greenville changed since you left? I'll tell you what I was. Uh, so I was at my mom's house in Fort Mill, South Carolina. So I drove over here on on the second, and the very first thing is just the bypass. Right, you used to have to take that right, go over the train tracks. So immediately I was like, okay, it's a little it's a little different from when I was here last. Um, and, and now the beautiful press box we're sitting in, uh, it was started construction as. I was uh, leaving uh, the last time I was here, and they did a heck of a job with it. Um, you know, with all the support and all the, the money that has gone into this renovation, has been huge, not just for game day, but for recruiting and everything of that nature. Um, and so it, it's been huge to have that support from, uh, you know, all of Greenville and all of East Carolina fans. For you, you know, you played on this turf, and you've had some big moments, obviously, how much do you feel like that will help you relate to the players as you coach them, you know, in, in your safety room this spring and this offseason? I think it helps. Um, you know, I think being able to say and relate exactly sitting in their in their seats that they've been in uh, or they're currently sitting in, I think helps at least build that trust and familiarity maybe quicker on the front end. Um, so maybe bypassing just time uh, with having that familiarity helps uh, and builds that trust from you know me to them and them to me because it's a two-way street too. And so I think that you know playing here and sitting in their seats has helped maybe just speed up that process of, of building relationships and trust. Last thing, we know Damon Magazoo, the, the player. So tell us a little bit about Damon Magazoo, the coach. What, what do you really demand out of your players and, and kind of give us the scout? to report on you as a coach? Oh, man. Tough question there. Um, I'm tough on my guys, um, but but it's all from a place of love, and I want them to be the most successful young men off the field that they can be. Um, and then the football part will take care of itself. And, and so, you know, I look at myself as more of a life coach um, in trying to help these young men grow, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, if they choose, uh, to help them become better young men and, and be successful in life. Um, and so I'm very demanding in, in those regards. Uh, and we've had a lot of conversations of when I've already been demanding in this past you know, month and a half. Um, but again, going back to that relationship piece and trusting each other, uh, I've been blessed that they've put a lot of trust in me and, and they're following my lead and understanding that it's coming from a place of care. Uh, but I'm also going to celebrate the smallest success with a lot of passion um, because they deserve it. They work their tails off both off the field and on the field. And so, you know, we got to celebrate those things also more than, more than the negatives because um, there's enough... There's enough negativity out of there in the world, and they're dealing with enough things, being a student athlete and as young men in society, and so trying to be there and be, be a support system for them and help guide them in, in the right direction. All right, there's our conversation with Damon Magazoo earlier today. Again, we caught up with every assistant, minus Tim Doust, on staff, and uh, we'll play a lot of this audio in the coming days. And uh, great conversation with Damon Magazoo. 
So you were on staff when Mags was a player. What do you remember most about Damon Mags, the player? A uh, leader is probably the first word that comes to mind. Like he was, he was a coach on the field, uh, which makes sense given you know his his pedigree with his father and his father being a longtime NFL coach. And so that that was leader, and then just a good dude. Like I was, we were talking why that clip was playing. I, I had class with Damon. We were like we're right there in age i think i may be a year older or whatnot but you know talking he was asking questions about coaching and the lifestyle and the hours that we put in as gas and those sort of things and obviously he was very 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 close with trip weaver that was kind of his dude so he had a good feel and knowing his dad and you know growing up his dad coached his whole life so he had a good feel for it but you kind of knew he would be a great coach just to here we go again. Just, uh, <laughs> just based upon his leadership qualities on the field, like he was so cerebral too. Like he was so smart on the field. You really just had to tell him th- things once, and and or Coach Smith and, and Trip did. And so yeah, it, it's just cool to see him and keep track of his career going from you know ECU to Oklahoma to UNLV, having his own room, and now coming back here. Always good to have an alum back, especially a guy who is. I mean, made gigantic plays that live on in ECU football history. So looking forward to seeing him on the field this spring. All right, let's get another break in. We'll come back. We'll talk some ECU basketball, ECU baseball. We'll hit on maybe some more football as well on this Wednesday edition of Hoist the Colors. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. All right, Hoist the Colors. Wednesday edition, February 14th, Valentine's Day edition of Hoist the Colors. Shout out to all the ladies that are listening. We know that there are plenty. (laughs) (laughs) They just love to hear about Pirate Athletics. Thank you guys for tuning in. And if you're looking for a date, Philip Pilkington is available. Isn't that right, Philip? I am. You can come over, hang out, watch Daytona 500 qualifying together. Be a great Valentine's Day. Or sit in the studio and produce basketball and baseball over the weekend with you. Yeah, there's that too. There's plenty of plenty of ways to get to Phillips' heart, and we can tell you all about it. Just show up at the Interbanks Media Studios in the next 30 minutes, and we'll make it happen. All right. It is Valentine's Day. It is a Wednesday. That means Bobby Harward is in the studio. Again, he's brought to you by Sup Dogs today. Appreciate Subdog's support of the program and of East Carolina Athletics. We mentioned earlier, checking them out, the new Team Boneyard uh, vodka bottle, Sup Crush Vodka. It's an uh, awesome deal. 100% of the proceeds will go to Team Boneyard. Check that out. Social media, it'll be available Friday in the ABC store on Charles Boulevard. All right, basketball is back in action. I think the women, yeah, the women play tonight at, at Rice. That is a huge game for the top of the conference standings, so don't forget about that. That'll be a big game. Kim McNeil's team starting to hit its stride. Pirates looking for revenge in that one. The men host the Wichita State Shockers inside Menji's Coliseum Thursday at 7 o'clock, Military Appreciation Night. And again, Bobby, just as we start to get frustrated with the Pirate basketball team, in this season, what do they do? They go out and get a nice road win. Look, UTSA is not good, but ECU basketball winning on the road is a big deal. And when they dominate a game on the road, wire to wire, it's a big deal. So I ask you again, are you back on board? Not yet. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. 
I am. I was very uh, pleased. To w- I watched the game Saturday afternoon, uh, so saw them play UTSA, and that that's what gives you like a glimmer. It's like, all right, if they can just, just make shots, shoot, shoot the basketball with somewhat consistency, like they'll never be as hot as they were against UTSA, but it, at least you know just have some consistency scoring the basketball. Um, then then you give yourself a legitimate shot. I'm a little worried about Wichita State coming in. Believe it was a close game up in Wichita, and then Wichita actually took Florida Atlantic pretty close. I watched that game. I think it was Sunday afternoon. Normally, I can rely on some American Athletic Conference basketball on Sunday afternoon during the kids' nap time. Um, but yeah, they had a chance to put away FAU and, and kind of fell flat, lost in overtime, I believe. So they lost by 13 points in overtime. Yeah. It, so what happened in overtime? Did you, did you stick around for that? They just couldn't score. Yeah, they could not score. Uh, FAU finally went on a run and and put the game away. And, yeah, it got out of hand pretty quickly in overtime, um, if I remember correctly. FAU but, scored 21 points in yeah, overtime. Yeah, yeah. It, at one point they had scored, I think, the first 11 or 13 points of the overtime. So um, they must have done traded baskets back and forth after that. But, you know, Wichita, yeah, I – Here's the thing with the American dude is like every every game, even if it's the very top team mm-hmm. against the very bottom, like Charlotte Temple was close, you know, uh, over the weekend as well. I feel like every game is close. There's no real blowout. So, I mean, the quality of basketball may not be as up to par as maybe somebody likes to watch, whether it's in the ACC or the SEC, whatever your preference is. But honestly, I, I, I was thinking this too. I feel like quality of ba- college basketball is just down in general. Um, that's just a, a side observation I've made watching college athletics over the last few weeks. Wichita State, ten and fourteen, two and nine, one and seven on the road. I will say though, like they hold, they're better, they're better than their record indicates. I hate that saying, but I do feel like Wichita State is better. OT versus Florida Atlantic, they beat UTSA by twenty. At Memphis, they lost on a buzzer beater, 65-63. At Tulsa was not a good performance. They lost by 11. Uh, but they beat SMU at home. Again, ECU was 54-52. At USF, they lost by four. At FAU was another close game. They lost by nine. And so they've had a bunch of close losses, especially recently. So I feel like they're talented. And, Philip, you remember the you watched some of the first game or, or produced it. I go into Thursday thinking this is a toss-up game. I mean, I don't think ECU, they may be favored slightly, but this feels like a toss-up game that could go either way. Well, to Bobby's point, it seems like that every game in the yep. toss-up, in the conference is a toss-up game. But, no, I definitely agree. This is a team that looks to be playing with more confidence now. Not that they were terrible at the beginning of conference play because they did lose some heartbreakers, and I was worried going into Wichita, whatever it was, three, four weeks ago, but I think it's one of those things where, unfortunately, the Pirates have not looked great at home this year. I think they've been a little better on the road, even in some of the games Which is they've weird lost. To say. It is. But, like, I'm calling the Florida game a road game. You know, the yeah. net, the Ken Palm, and all that can call it what they want. But it, it was a road game. And, and how good they looked there, and then how good they looked for 36 minutes against FAU. And look, this is a team now that's got a taste of winning. And they beat a team when, with their one conference win that was. Way up the pack. I mean, not way, I guess, up the packing order, but a middle-of-the-pack team. It's not like they beat the second-worst team in the league, whoever that is. I guess I think it's Temple, probably. Um, so this is a team that's proved they can play with 
teams such as ECU. And honestly, being a Pirate basketball fan for the last seven years, I've learned every game is a toss-up game because you might beat Memphis at home. You might beat Houston at home when they're top five in the country. And you might lose to South Carolina Upstate. It is the most toxic relationship in the history of toxic relationships. As soon as you're ready to quit and get out, they go on the road to UTSA, they hit an ungodly number of threes, and they pull you right back in. That is being an ECU basketball fan, and that's how it's always going to be. The toxic relationship. That's a really good way of phrasing it there, Philip. I do think I have an answer of why they're bad at home. It's because we cannot get the matching undershirts for our gold jerseys and cannot wear the gold jerseys at home. So we're having to, you know, you notice they won and they wore purple. Oh, my goodness. We let the uniform guy. Have a hot uh, mic and let him talk on set. Maybe yep. they should go with the black unis again. Oh, what do you think? No, absolutely not. I think they did that once already this yeah, year. Yeah, right? they went North yeah. Texas blackout and should have won that game. Should have won that game. ECU's eight and seven against Division one teams at home. And the fact you have to add Division one teams is not good. Ferrum, of course, the non D one game. I just feel like we said in the preseason, ECU. I think I had them losing three home games, if that, with this this amount of home games. I expected them to be better at home, and it just hasn't materialized yet. And if they want to get over this hump, win three games in a row, and look, I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse because they got to beat Wichita State, but you have an opportunity here, Bobby. Winnable home games, Wichita State and Tulane. Two, two solid teams, but you play them at home. You know, with the stretch coming up after after the game at Rice on February 24th, you close with Memphis at North Texas at SMU in Charlotte. So this is the stretch; it has to happen. Yeah, and especially coming in, you know, getting down the stretch of the season, leading into conference tournament play, like you have to win these games so you're not playing on that first day. Yeah. I believe the conference tournament you have a double bye, so like it makes it even. Or yeah, there's double bye, so mm-hmm. at least if you can, you know, get a bye that first game and play that second day, that's a lot better than playing on that first day, which is uh, I think a Tuesday, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it might be Wednesday because... Championship Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Because there are five rounds now, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. Sorry, I had to do that in my head. Good math for a yeah. uh, English guy. Terrible, yeah. terrible math person. All right, ECU baseball again getting underway. Friday, 4 o'clock, they host Ryder. Ryder went to the Conway Regional at Coastal Carolina last year, beat the top seed Coastal. They returned three of their top four hitters. They have some talent. They'll throw a lefty starter with some experience on Friday. Uh, 2 o'clock will be the first pitch Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday. We've had a lot of baseball coverage this week. Cliff Goblin on our Monday show also had Justin Wilcox in the studio. Any big storylines you're watching, Bobby, as the season nears from your perspective as a, as a baseball guy? Um, looking at injuries, just monitoring that, that that's always something that can – Take a season off the rails. You've seen State and Carolina both already lost a weekend starter for the year. Oh, so, wow. I yeah. have not seen that. Okay. Yeah. See, exactly. I mean, that before the first pitch is thrown. Yeah. And when you're in collegiate baseball, obviously you can't sign free agent guys throughout the season to make up for that. And really, you know, some quality starters are few and far between. So if you have two really good ones, like you're already ahead of the game. So if one of those goes down, that's always a concern. Um, I do like the blend of, you know, veteran leadership and young talent that we have. So I'm excited to see, you know, how they mesh together. And then, uh, if we can get a little bit more power in the lineup, um, and, and hit some more bombs, that would be awesome. 
We're gonna have a like a round table tomorrow. We'll do a breakout pick. My my question to you, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Who's your ECU baseball breakout performer for twenty twenty four? That's a good one. I think JCC has a uh bounce back year. And um I'm also gonna go Dixon Williams. Uh he had you t- a hot, you taught him. I taught him. I taught him everything he knows how to swing a bat. Right. Um in all seriousness, he had a hot bat this summer. Uh, it sounds like he's had a great off uh, off season program, and uh, I, I can see that bat staying hot here coming into the season. He will be the team's starting third baseman, according to Cliff Goblin, on Monday for Friday's uh, season opener. All right, in programming note, I've been working on this for like a week and a half now, but we finally locked down Connor Norby. We will have Connor Norby on the show. We're going to record it Friday. We'll probably replay it early next week. So the real question is, do I need to get you back in studio for when we talk some O's baseball with Connor? That would be awesome, yeah. yeah. And if you could also ask him if uh, he can get me down to Sarasota for a few days yeah. just to hang out with the guys, that would be that would be pretty cool too. Which, side note, probably nobody else listening cares about, Masson is televising seven spring training wow. games this year, which is five more than they've done in the past. So Pirate fans that want to watch Norby in spring training, at least you'll have a few more opportunities this year. And I think... That means we, we could see Connor Norby on Masson. On Masson, yep. which I hope you have a fire stick that's jailbroken. I was going to say, you've right. got to have Masson. Was the only way to get Who that was with DirecTV. I think, I think yeah. only DirecTV has Masson. That's I used to have it, and now I've had DirecTV in years, so it's just it's a tough ask you know, for these Orioles and national fans that are trying to, to watch the games. But it is what it is. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up with Bobby. We'll, uh, we'll maybe get your thoughts on the Super Bowl and we'll talk some MLB. We're going to have a MLB preview show at some point in this preseason, which I'm looking forward to. Go through all the divisions, make some picks, but we're not quite there yet. But we'll talk some other things to wrap up the show on this Wednesday. This is Hoist the Colors. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yes! That was so good! 194.3, the game. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors few minutes left. I meant to bring this up earlier when we were talking basketball. ECU, you know, they, they have a chance at a winning record, which I would be, I think would be a, a huge step in the right direction if they could pull it out. But 0-2 versus quad one, 0-5 versus quad two, 2-2 two versus quad three, nine of their wins quad four. So that, you know, they're basically beating the teams they should beat and have lost to the teams that should lose. So they're 5-0 against teams beneath them in the standings. Six zero oh, and six against teams ahead ahead of them in the American standing. So you got to start somewhere. Some people have said, "Hey, with this week schedule, a winning record, what does that really mean?" But for me, Bobby, it's like you just want to see some progress. And that you haven't had a winning record as a program since two thousand twelve thirteen. So I know the opponents haven't been great, but that still would represent a step forward if they could pull it off. First time in 11 years. That, To your point, that's a big deal. I love that you're trying to find optimism. Hey, because, man, try to. You know, we had high expectations, and I, I don't even know if high is the best way to phrase it because they weren't super high. We were not projecting. Solid expectations. Yeah, like fair expectations. Right. And, uh, you know, I think we have been let down a little bit knowing the talent that was returning and, and kind of our schedule and how that's set up. So, um you know, I am still on board with Mike Schwartz. I, I had a rant last week that I'd still like to see him come back and give him a shot at, you know, going after some guys in the portal. But, um, 
yeah, we we got to start winning those games and not dropping the the ball on some of those USC Upstate games and things like that. That's where they that's where things come back to bite you. Because if we win games like that, if we don't lose, uh, I know one of those Pirate Classic games that we lost was at Northeastern. Northeastern. Yeah, you're fourteen and ten if you don't lose those two games. Fourteen and ten, and 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 then you take out the North Texas shot. You're then fifteen and nine, like just little things like that. They add up, and and it becomes frustrating. Super Bowl. What did you think? Which uh, you were at the. You I were was at, at my the house. I go household. <laughs> that That's was right. just an absolute <laughs> chaos. Speaking of club chaos, which we talked about yesterday on the show, it was club chaos, uh, little person version, as we had so many kids there. Yes, yes. Thankfully, uh, my wife and I left our two older kids. Her parents are in town, and they are awesome. They uh, they came over and they they watched the kids for us, so we could try to enjoy. Uh, just being able to focus on the game. And you still were able to do so much of that. It's also um, people I haven't seen in a while right. getting to catch up and wanting to talk. So uh, I think my dad asked the next day what my favorite commercial was, and I uh, didn't, didn't watch any commercial. commercial. So, yeah. But the food was good. Enjoyed it. Appreciate the hospitality. Always Absolutely. fun. It was good stuff. Uh, what did you What did you think of the game from what you could see to stay <laughs> up uh, for overtime? I did stay up from overtime. I thought it was a good game. Um, obviously, the back, kind of – Listening to some of the gambling experts before I put in some of my prize pick selections, um, they were pretty spot on. They thought it was going to be a defensive battle for most of the game, and, and I feel it was that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, classic, I'm not a Patrick Mahomes fan, but again, the dude is impressive. Like, he continues to do it over and over again and showing up in these primetime spots and game-winning drives, and they did it again. I thought it was... What was funny was Adam Schefter, I think, as a joke, had made a tweet like, I've seen the script. It's going to be Chiefs winning double overtime. And that game was like a second away from going to double overtime. So then there would have been some real conspiracy theories. Man, Mahomes is just... You knew as soon as he got the ball back in OT and had a chance to go win it with a touchdown. You know, I texted Scott Lorbatcher, who will be on tomorrow's show, baseball guy and he's a Niners fan and I was just like they missed their chance to score a touchdown there and you give Mahomes all the time in the world which he had and four downs to get 10 yards like you can't stop him unless you get a fluke turnover so it was just he's just too good Bobby is what it comes down to I think he's seven for seven on game winning drives I saw that yeah. tweet yeah yeah which it's just amazing it, it truly is impressive you, you can't give him an opportunity and they had an opportunity and they just take advantage of it every single time. All right. Well, we are nearing the end of the show. Looking forward to tomorrow's show. Again, we'll have a roundtable. Scott Rogers, Scott Lorbatch. You're going to have to, I guess, call Scott Scooter so we don't get mixed up. Jonathan Wagner, myself. We'll even get Phillip's take on uh, everybody as we're going to make some roundtable picks. So looking forward to that. Bobby, appreciate it as always. Yep, appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Our usual Wednesday guest. We'll keep this rolling through baseball season as well. So appreciate everybody tuning in today. Again, Pirate Basketball tomorrow, 7 o'clock. The Pirate women are in action at Rice today in a big game. Happy Valentine's Day to all the guys and ladies out there. Appreciate y'all's support of the program. We will be back on Thursday at 12 noon for our ECU Baseball Roundtable Preview. We will talk to you then. This has been Hoist the Colors.
This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. choice when you invest in insurance and when